What is up, wrestling fans? Welcome to another pay-per-view point edition of the Smart Cow Moment Smack Talk Podcast. I am your host, as always, Tony Mango, flying solo again for this edition. Rob is going to be covering the press conference that's following the event, uh, probably happening in a minute or so. Um, Callum, I'm not entirely sure if you watched this live or not, but um, yeah, it's a you know, different time zone in the UK, and also you can fully understand that. But hopefully you are joining me live for this. And if you are, then make sure that you leave your thoughts in the live chat here. If you are subscribed to the channel, then you can do that. If you're not subscribed to the channel, you can't, but you can just subscribe to the channel. There you go. That's how it works. Make sure that you also hit that like button and make sure you also click on that little join button. If they want to, you could get uh, involved in like the Patreon side of things and all and the pick a poison tier, the dark cast, so on and so forth. Or if you want to toss a little spare change our way, you've got the little thanks button that's on there. Now, if you are live on here, you have access to the super chats. So that's another option. Make sure that I pay attention to what is going on in the chat here and uh, read yours out loud. Also, if you want to pick up merchandise, Redbubble and Public, keep that in mind. But in any fashion, let's get those plugs out of the way and start getting into the pay-per-view or the premium live event. I'm never going to get used to saying that. Um... I honestly don't have too, 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 too much to say here. Um, I thought that some of the matches were pretty decent, and there was only five matches on this card, and two of, I, I, I guess I'll say it this way. Two of the matches were good. Two of the matches were kind of mad. One of the matches were um, somewhere in the middle. <laughs> it's a very flat line instead of fast lane pay-per-view to me, but they had some good moments here, so it's it solved its purpose i guess you could say to give people something that feels like it's slightly different from an episode of monday night raw but we've seen plenty episodes of monday night raw or friday night smackdown or nxt or whatever that have way more that happened than this so i'm really hoping that this isn't a sign of what's to come in the future where they just have five matches spread out over three hours and lots of commercials and a few big names on there, and they go, that's good enough, because we had three title matches here for, what, something like, I mean, I'm not counting NXT, but, you know, we, we didn't have the United States title involved, United States champion Russell, but he didn't defend his title, Intercontinental title wasn't involved, the other women's title wasn't involved, the women's tag title wasn't involved, so I'm not a big fan of that. I don't like this idea that we can just kind of say good enough going forward for a lot of things. I see Marco's in the chat. What's up, Marco? And I don't like as well that a lot of people would write this off and say, well, John Cena was on the show. So there you go. Because in my mind, I remember when we used to have John Cena on every show and Randy Orton on every show and Triple H and Shawn Michaels and Undertaker and Batista and, you know, it was packed with people. So the crowd seemed to like it, at least from what I can tell. I know that Drew was on this show, so he said a couple things throughout the night, mostly about how loud it was with John Cena and that he wasn't really enjoying the last man standing match, I guess, because he couldn't see a good like quarter of it when they were brawling in the stands and all. But that seems to be okay enough for the crowd and... I'm sure there's a lot of people that they just really like how quote unquote short and sweet this was. It was four hours though, if you watch the kickoff. So it's not really all that short. And 
there are moments throughout this that I felt dragged quite a bit, but we're going to get into some of the specifics and all that stuff. So join me in going through this one by one, match by match, and we will um, you know, kind of take it here and there. We've got fives in the chat here. How it came across as if the crowd was dead for most of the night. Really, from your end? I, it sounded like they were pretty um, pumped from what I could hear. I don't know. I do know that there was a short pers- uh, portion of this match where I was mo- more for uh, I can't talk today. More focused on the New York Times connections puzzle thing, <laughs> but uh, other than that, it sounded like they were kind of hot uh, for the majority of the matches and all. First being the undisputed WWE Tag Team Championship match between the Judgment Days, Damian Priest and Finn Balor against Cody Rhodes and Jey Uso, and. I thought that this was the best match of the show and they had, you know, they had a a good rhythm going on. They told a good story as far as moments throughout it, where Cody had done the superplex and then he was selling his neck for the rest of the match. And they had uh, throughout the match, Damian priest had his leg was being targeted, which led to one of the most important things that happened on this pay-per-view, but that became a telling point for this whole story was priest's leg. And eventually, you know, in a judgment day match, the judgment day is going to have more of their members involved, just like any other heel stable, you know, uh, NWO used to back in the day and uh, DX did when they were heels and so on and so forth. So, um, Ray Ripley came out, Dominic Mysterio came out, they got involved. Eventually JD McDonough came out he was doing a good job for them, but they ran into a little bit of an error where, McDonough tried to use the Money in the Bank briefcase and hit Priest in the knee. So that distraction, which of course should have been way more of a disqualification tenfold, but the referees don't pay any attention because you're not supposed to. uh, That led to enough of a situation where they had uh, uh, Cody Rhodes hit a crossroads on Priest and Jey Uso was able to um, take everybody else out. They had a super kick, a a double team, um, Cody Cutter, and the crossroads to Balor led to new tag team champions. So uh, Jay Uso and Cody Rhodes are the tag team champions for Raw and SmackDown now. And that's not exactly the prediction that I had going on originally. If you where to go back into the archives. And I mean, I guess the, the way back machine would be the only way to do it. Cause it's the same page. But if you go back and you check out what I had had before on the current and future predictions champions list for the longest time I had written down the next tag team champions are going to be two random singles people that are put together. And I didn't bother to specify who, because they were random. You know, I figured that maybe it's going to be, you know, uh, Randy Orton and Drew McIntyre or something like that. But I guess it fulfills that prophecy. But at the same time, I wasn't expecting Cody and Jay, but it makes sense now. And it's something that we had talked about a little bit on the pay-per-view point preview for this whole thing, where I think it was Callum had brought it up and said, you know, it wouldn't be surprising if they did that for, you know, X, Y, and Z reasons. And then it, we sort of just went, uh, yeah, you know what? It, it is kind of feeling like that. So Cody is going to announce something on NXT. They had said that before. And the only thing that we thought made any sense was for him to announce the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic returning. Well, 
what better way of doing that than to have him be a tag team champion at that time? And also, this might factor into the storyline of Jey Uso being brought to Monday Night Raw means that somebody is going to be drafted over to SmackDown. That has been lingering for a while, and they've not pulled the trigger on it yet. One of the most obvious people that could have been the case was Cody, since Cody going to SmackDown would be something that would facilitate working into the Bloodline feud again, and maybe that could be actually the way that they split these tag team titles up. Maybe Cody is going to end up taking the SmackDown tag titles and needing to find a new champion alongside him, and Jay is going to need to find a new champion alongside him, or maybe they just full-on vacate the belts and we get something going on where we have to have like little mini tournaments to crown the new champions from the relinquished spots or something. If they get rid of the belts and they do like the full on unified tag team championship, I'm okay with that in the grand scheme, as long as they get rid of those ugly belt designs, because I've hated them for nearly 14 years now. And that's really, that's way too long. They should have looked at those in the sketchbook and just said, no, but the future of the tag team titles still hasn't been clarified yet. We can assume that it's probably going to be the same as what it's been and not actually jump 100% to conclusions. But every time we get new tag team champions, I just assume that maybe they're going to do something different. But, you know, that might even be what Triple H announces on SmackDown, because I think that they had said that he was supposed to announce something on SmackDown next week on the premiere. And if that's the case, I mean, what else is he going to announce? Thank you for coming to SmackDown. Certainly not going to announce, well, you know, in the future, we're going to be going to another network because that you don't do that on Vox and stuff. So it's interesting that they went in this direction and it does seem like that's furthering that split with the Judgment Day, or at least it'll end up being more tension between JD McDonough and Damian Priest. So maybe that's how they solve one of those issues too. Maybe instead of Balor, Priest, Dominic Mysterio, Solo Sokoa, Jimmy Uso, and Roman Reigns, which is six people to be on that side of war games. Maybe Damian Priest is out of the mix. Then you've got five to go up against Cody, Jay, I guess Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn, and either John Cena or... Actually, I don't know who the other... LA Knight, I guess, maybe? That makes sense. So... I agree, Marco. I hope that they don't do a rematch. I think that if they do, then they'll probably just switch the titles back again or something, and then that'll be kind of pointless, other than to just pop the crowd in Indianapolis. But that's not the only thing that they did to just pop the crowd in Indianapolis tonight, so maybe that is something that they would uh, be thinking about. More than likely, though, I think we're going to get something that does lead to the belts changing or the belts being split up or... Something along those lines. I think that this calls even more so the idea that Cody's going to go to SmackDown. Now, I, I had mentioned that maybe Riddle would, but that's not happening because he's out of the company. So um, if you didn't know, this pay-per-view, not the pay-per-view point, but the pay-per-view itself was sponsored by Pizza Hut. And if you didn't know that, they really made sure that you knew for the next three segments because they had a Pizza Hut commercial backstage with Booker T and Xavier Woods and Wade Barrett. Then they had uh, another little commercial plug. They put that graphic on the screen. Then they had Michael Cole mention that they were uh, sponsored by that. And then throughout the next match, 
they had that through the little uh, ring apron um, screens and the screens that are on the security barricade and the screens that are on the top of the arena and all. So Pizza Hut being plastered all over the place. And I'll be damned if I don't want Pizza Hut. And it's unfortunate because I hate when marketing works on me. And I mean, it wouldn't have worked for something else. If this would have been Papa John's, then I would have been like, no, nah, I mean, I don't care. But uh, Pizza Hut's good. And uh, if you are a fan of the old book it things and we used to read X or at least claim to read books like I did because I didn't bother to read them and I get your free pizza, leave a like on this uh, video and remember the nostalgia with me. But the Pizza Hut six man tag team match, they didn't call it that, but I'm just going to call it that, was the LWO's Rey Mysterio and Santos Escobar wrestling 90% of the match without a third partner against Bobby Lashley and the Street Profits. And I hate to write them off already, but at this point, the story with the Street Profits and Bobby Lashley is very much that the Street Profits suck, and why would Bobby Lashley even bother to be trying to do anything with them? Because they keep losing. So they're not being able to do a great job here in a handicap match, three on two. And ultimately, Carlito comes out. So there you go for everybody that's wondering, is it Dragon Lee? Is it Bad Bunny? Is it Carlito? Is it uh, Cartman's mom? Whatever it might be. And Carlito comes out to awful new music. I don't like it at all. I miss his old music. It was much better. And he does maybe about six, seven moves or so. Hits his backstabber and wins. And it's... Yeah, he looked great. He seems like he's in great shape, even better than he did with the um, backlash show in Puerto Rico. Down for him to have a run and everything, but change that music up. Give him the the old um, theme. And now we got Pizza Hut in the chat. Uh, I had Pizza Hut for dinner, so luckily it didn't make me hungry. Now you got to let me know what kind of pizza you got. You gotta did you get the big dinner box. Did you get you know whatever? Pizza Hut here in the Bay Area is C tier. Uh, I mean, I'm in New York, so. It's kind of one of those things where if you want Pizza Hut, you got to get Pizza Hut because I, I should get sponsored by Pizza Hut. Come on. Um, you know, if you want that buttery kind of crust, nothing else works that way. But, you know, if you want regular pizza, there's every place around the corner that you would get instead. Um, <laughs> and my wife is in the chat being adorable. I love her. Uh, so the match itself, LWO versus Bobby Lashley and the Street Profits, the biggest shock for me was how long they went without bringing Carlito out because I thought that they may maybe just, you know, do it right before the match like normal or midway through the match. But for him to just come in towards the tail end of it, I wonder if that was like who booked this. I don't know who booked this match because obviously, you know, Vince and them did, but who was the producer for this match to say, why don't we just wait until the end? But I still think that it's funny in a, you know, in a bad way. If you're Joaquin Wilde or Cruz del Toro and you're told, hey, we're going to do a fake injury angle because we want to get you out of there because nobody wants you to be in the match. We want to do something special with somebody more important. It's got to feel bad to just be like, you know, why wouldn't you want me to be in the match? I am a part of this group. And they're like, yeah, yeah, but you're there to lose. And <laughs> we want this team to win. So, uh who knows if we're going to see Carlito more going forward or if this was just another kind of guest spot, but it doesn't make any sense to me, at least for them to want to have him show up in Puerto Rico, which makes perfect sense. And then just 
wait a few months and then pop up in Indianapolis. As far as I'm aware, Carlito and Indianapolis don't have any kind of connection where they would go, well, we got to get Carlito for this one. So I guess he's back and that's good since I'm a fan of Carlito. I always thought that he was in the range of somebody who could have been a world champion, kind of like Shelton Benjamin or MVP or actually a lot of people from that like 2007 type of range. At the big New Yorker pepperoni feast. That sounds good. (laughs) Um, After that, speaking of the Pizza Hut thing, they did that extra little Pizza Hut plug where Xavier Woods brought the big dinner box to Corey Graves and Michael Cole. I think if we end up looking at the transcript for this video, it's going to say Pizza Hut more than almost anything else WWE related for this. Um, So they got to, you know, have a little bit to munch on while they were there ringside. The... uh, amount of food that we're getting ringside lately is definitely increasing with the uh, candy that Vic Joseph always has on NXT per week. So maybe that's going to be a regular thing. Maybe we're going to get those KFC buckets back or something. And people are going to be munching on that during the pay-per-views. Daniel's in the chat. So I listened to the press conference for 30 seconds. First question given to EO Sky was about Taylor Swift in WWE. What the fuck? Why were they asking her about Taylor Swift? Why were they asking EO in particular? Is she like a big Taylor Swift fan? Or was that just sort of somebody in there is like, I like Taylor Swift. Let me ask anybody. And I finally have a chance to ask. So it's a slightly different question. I'll give them that. Maybe it's better than them going. uh, EO, can you tell us what it was like to defend your championship against two other people? And what your thoughts are on retaining your championship here tonight? Or something like that, because nine out of ten of these people don't ask any questions that are worth a damn. Glad to hear that the pizza was good. <laughs> Random side note: Anyone else get annoyed by the engine drive-by sound in the replay segues? I it, for a split second it threw me off. I thought it was noisy outside, and then I got used to just that little in the background. So um, eventually, I tuned it out. But um, I think I'm more annoyed at the idea that we've had two pay-per-views in the span of about three months that have been car related. Cause I'm not a car guy. I don't give a shit about cars and Detroit was SummerSlam and they did the whole car thing there. And then of course, Indianapolis with fast lane, they had to have car stuff here. LA night later on was quote unquote arriving to the arena in a race car. But the way that they did it naturally was they had somebody else driving the car and it was all blacked out and, they waited a couple seconds, then he came out. So it was more like uh, somebody drove LA Knight and then he came out of the um, driver's seat, which had to be an awkward little scramble. I totally agree. We need a food-themed pay-per-view. And then we could do snack talk afterward. Crown Jewel was officially announced, by the way. For anybody who's wondering, that is on November 4th. They did not, again, say what the arena is, but that's been kind of customary. They've done about 13 of these or so i think and they typically don't bother to announce the arenas until a week or so beforehand which is interesting to me because i don't know if people are buying those tickets in uh, saudi arabia and they have to just scramble at the last minute or if they're kind of like giving them away to people or something actually maybe we have to look into that a little bit no bread no water just meat oh yeah I shouldn't do that. <laughs> oh, those noises were cringy as fuck. And I'm a motorsport fan. Uh, let me know if you are a motor motorsport fan. What is the fascination with cars? Because this has been something that I've never understood my entire life. Uh, I, I'm not an NASCAR fan. I'm not a fan of 
even when people go to car shows or now I I don't have a car right now because there's no point in having a car in New York. But when I had my car, I didn't care. I was like, all right, it's, it's a car. It does its job. It's got wheels and seats and that's all I needed. It wasn't like, Ooh, look at that. It's got a real good shine on the front of it or I don't know what the hell people do, (laughs) but yeah, let me know. What's the, what's the um, appeal of cars? Um, as far as the appeal when it comes to the triple threat match for the women's championship, look at that transition. Io Sky retained over Asuka and Charlotte Flair. And the most interesting thing that happened in the entire match was the very first thing that happened. Asuka immediately spit the mist in Charlotte's eyes. It was like a greenish blue one. The reason I mentioned that is because I'll bring it back up again later. So they very rarely ever do anything that makes sense like that. It's a no DQ match. Why wouldn't she just spit in the face of one of her people? And then she has basically a singles match and that makes perfect sense. So I thought that was really good. And then they just kind of had a normal match. And this match did take me out of a little bit, a little bit here and there. Um, I was talking to Rob for a moment while this was going on and he was like, ah, oh, this, this is pretty bad. And, yeah, it's really clunky and all. And I was like, I thought it's kind of fine. They're they're doing fine enough stuff. There's some botches here and there, but it's nothing too dramatic. And then he was like, I don't know if you're really paying all that much attention to it, but it is whatever. I did notice that there was a botch almost, I guess you could say, with a little spot where Asuka was uh, trapped at a figure four and Eo did a meteora on Flair. And Flair was naturally stuck with her legs in the figure four on Asuka. And that was kind of the point was if her legs are stuck there and her shoulders are pinned down, then EO should have a really good chance of getting the pin. And it seemed like it worked a little too well because uh player basically didn't get her shoulders up until the referee had to just stop counting and give an extra half of a second or so. So it was really kind of almost like a 10 and a half count. And you know, you're supposed to go nine, or not nine, ten and a half. It's a two and a half count <laughs> for that matter. And um, I'm already jumping to the last man standing match. So there were some spots here and there that were a little weak. And you know, nothing that stands out to me that I'm going to add to the end of the year list or anything. But it was fine. And it ended with Asuka tapping out to the figure eight. But Bailey was distracting the referee. EO hit moonsault on Flair, scored a pin. So the story is very much Flair should be the champion and she would be if the referee was paying attention. If it wasn't for Bailey, EO only retained because Bailey had interfered and we're probably going to get another EO and Charlotte match at crown jewel or maybe on SmackDown. And I'm assuming that's when Bailey is going to interfere again and she's going to screw it up and EO is going to, be on the receiving end of that problem. And then Flair is going to win that championship. And then EO is going to feud with Bailey going forward. Whether that happens at crown jewel, whether it's a gimmick match or it's something on SmackDown, just to kind of bump up a rating a little bit or something remains to be seen. I would be shocked if they go in any other direction other than EO versus Charlotte for the next match. Unless the next match is technically like EO defends against Shotzi on SmackDown just to set up the Charlotte match or so, you know, you might get me on a technicality on that. But the next match that actually matters, let's put it that way. Uh, well, at least you're saying, uh, guess five about the uh, match being god awful. 
no idea what went on oh like normal cars in general i don't really care about <laughs> okay so <laughs> it's not just cars it's something about the the sport of it then um that hooks you well that was the car spot with la knight following this then we had the pat yourself on the back match or pat, pat yourself on the back segment with pat mcafee there you go that's why he's pat um he came out for the next match to be a special guest commentator. But before that, he hyped up the crowd a little bit talking about how Indianapolis deserves a WrestleMania. And they did that with something else recently. I'm blanking off the top of my head what it was, but their whole, I think it was uh, Cena um, on the last event. Now that I'm thinking about it, where he was like, Oh, I think that this place should have WrestleMania. And maybe they're going to try to do that going forward. And their strategy is, for each pay-per-view to just specifically say, wouldn't the crowd like to have mania? And then everybody goes, yeah. And then they start talking to those officials and say, see, if you guys aren't the ones that are doing it, they're asking for it or something. I think that that could be uh, how they're trying to drum up more interest for mania going forward or whatever, but we'll see if that actually works in the future money in the bank in the uk that's what it was the um it's finally time for london to have wrestlemania yeah that's right that could have been a one-off and then they did it here now i'm going to be looking for the next show which was uh with i mean crown jewel is the next show maybe actually you know that would make sense if they end up being like well, what do you guys think? Should WrestleMania come to Saudi Arabia? It wouldn't shock me. Actually, no, yeah, it would it would shock me if they didn't for the next show. And if this keeps going going, then it's probably going to be just one of their go-to things like, hey, go to the outside when we're cutting to a commercial break or have the backstage interviewers just stare off into the distance because that's what we do here in WWE. And it might just be, well, you know, now that we go to a pay-per-view, we need to talk about how we should uh, have WrestleMania here or something. But as far as the next match went and, you know, Pat McAfee's ringside and he's trying to hype it up and all, I honestly got to say Jimmy Uso and Solo Sokoa against John Cena and LA Knight was the worst match on the show for me. It just didn't keep my attention. Um, Took a couple minutes to do that connections thing that I said that was more interesting in a lot of ways and they just sort of had a segment. I don't remember anything that happened in there. I know Cena got a cross body because I wrote it down. LA Knight got a hot tag at one point. And that's about it. <laughs> they, they didn't do anything special. And I'm a fan of all four of these guys, but this was kind of nothing. I'm glad LA Knight won. He got the pin over jimmy uso which that was one of the easy things to call because jimmy uso has been the whipping boy as we've been calling him of the bloodline solo suko has been protected really well so he wasn't going to take a pin and you know they could have done something where john cena got the pin but it makes more sense for la knight to do that because he's the one that's actually going to be on the roster going forward and all so the right call was made and the crowd you know they cheered and you know they got involved in their moments here and there and according to drew the people in the crowd were pretty much the loudest when it came to John Cena's reaction, but that was like incredibly loud, but I just didn't find it all that fun or interesting. More interesting to me actually was afterward when they showed that Shane McMahon's son Declan was in the crowd. And I guess he's gotten old enough now that he can be a football player for the Indiana Hoosiers. I thought that like, that kid was like eight 
or something. Wasn't that just a few years? I guess a few years ago, maybe that's way more than a few that he was out there with his two sons at WrestleMania and they were like little kids for was it the AJ Styles match or something? Did enough time go by where that kid's now like in college or something now? I like that. <laughs> That's the worst part of the show for me. But that was interesting because when they were like, oh, Shane McMahon's son Declan is whatever. I was like, oh my God, that's, you know, that's ridiculous. Then they had another interesting thing backstage where Damian Priest was all um, pissed off about that they lost the tag team titles. And he was saying to Rhea Ripley, Dominic Mysterio, and Finn Balor that he wasn't going to leave the pay-per-view empty-handed. So tonight was the night. He's going to cash in money in the bank. But everybody else told him no because of his leg injury. So they did the whole leg injury thing during that match in order to set up why he wouldn't cash in money in the bank, which is incredibly logical again, which is, hey, you know, they did the whole thing with Oscar spitting at the beginning of the match. Then they did this. Did they hire somebody to be a script supervisor and do the job that I had pitched to them that I could do? Because I was like, my God, they're they're keeping continuity. They're trying to explain things ahead of time and set stuff up and foreshadow things. And look at them doing their jobs. <laughs> sounds so facetious, but it's true. Don't tell me that that was seven years ago that they had that match. That the kid, that's, uh, <laughs> yeah, they announced on social media about this kid last year committed to Indiana on a football scholarship. I guess it was years ago. Ugh, I don't like that at all. But I thought the end of the night was solid enough. Uh, that was the last man standing match for the World Heavyweight Championship. Seth Rollins successfully retaining over Shinsuke Nakamura, where 90% of the match or so was Shinsuke Nakamura in charge, which makes perfect sense. He should have been. He was not only the challenger that you need to set up to be threatening and you need to worry about whether or not the championship's going to change hands, but also Seth Rollins was going into this with the bad back. So that was in mind, and that was the story that they were telling here. It, it did annoy me that at the beginning of this, almost immediately people were chanting, we want tables, because why would you want the match to already start off with the big spot? You know, people chant, we want tables immediately, and that's just, okay, you, delayed gratification is not a thing. Um, You did miss the thing earlier in the show about Priest. Yeah, that was the thing. Uh right before the last man standing match, just enough for them to be like, okay, he's not going to come out here. So they might end up factoring that into Monday night raw going forward. It might be like, you guys stopped me from cashing in and I'm, but I'm going to cash in tonight instead, or maybe they're going to just let that be where it is and just say, that's the reason why he didn't come out and do it after this match. And then going forward, we're going to, you know, just forget about that kind of, but they did a, they did a good thing. <laughs> I like that. Oh, we got nunchucks in this match. Obviously, a lot of kendo sticks, some action with a uh, trash can, some table stuff, a little bit of ladder stuff. They twice brawled into the crowd, and I had written down on EWN that, hey, they set up the ladder and they didn't do anything, so they're clearly not going to end this match in the crowd without going back there. I didn't think that they'd go back into the crowd again, but they eventually did do the ladder spot, and that's where the mist came back in. And as I mentioned earlier, Asuka had her mist of like that bluish green kind of color. And Nakamura had a red mist 
So I don't know what kind of flavors they are. I'm assuming that he got the cherry one and uh, Asuka got blue raspberry or something, but they had a decent enough spot there where he spit that in Rollins's face. And then he fell backward into the commentary table, slightly different, whatever. Very terrible job. I agree, Daniel, with the uh, crash pad. That was just, he bounced. Rollins bounced off of the crash pad. I forget exactly how I worded it in the um, recurring uh, running thoughts thing, but it was something about like, it looked like he bounced off a trampoline. Crash pads are something that if they can hide them very well, you don't know. And they have like those boxes underneath like tables where they do the, you know, the painted boxes. So the kind of looks like it's part of the set, but when they have the crash pad in a way that Rollins bounces up, like he's on a moon bounce thing, then you know that he's not hitting anything that hurts. And it's way better, of course, than having him hit something that's going to actually hurt his back, but it does kind of take you out of the moment. So, um, I don't know if this is uh, related to Fastlane, but I just got an email from Kayanti Williams that just says great show ever. So uh, I'm assuming that that's really liking um, this. And uh, if not, then let me know. <laughs> but <laughs> I'm assuming that that's what it's for. Um, Cole kept saying that Seth's back was buckling and that bothered me. <laughs> I didn't notice that, but I'm sure if I would have noticed it, it would have bothered me too. <laughs> Probably my wife as well, if it would have been the case. Um, I know that they were being dramatic, of course, tonight, calling Balor like a um, some kind of an assassin or whatever. And uh, they're they're really letting Michael Cole get into the dramatics of everything. But they eventually had a, another brawl back into the crowd, and. I don't remember any spots that stand out to me. I'll say that uh, the end of this match was a Falcon arrow through a table through the, in the crowd, you know, the, on the outside kind of area, not in the ring. And I don't think I'm going to remember it by the end of the week. I think by the end of the year, if you were to ask me what was the main event of Fastly, and I'd probably have to think about it. And then if you said, Oh, it's the, you know, Rollins and Nakamura match, I'd go, Oh yeah, that's right. Rollins retained but I might not necessarily even remember when or how that happened or anything. So as far as last man standing matches go, it's underwhelming. But we said before that, you know, unless you do some kind of a big spot and you remember that big spot, most of the matches tend to just be waiting and counting to nine. So I would like to see more of an effort of last man standing matches that are, trying to keep the energy up and trying to make it through the whole match is interesting rather than you do a spot, you wait and then you see if that's good enough. And then eventually maybe you do one big spot and that's the end of it. It wasn't bad. It just isn't memorable. And for an event that mostly only really had that the tag team titles changed hands and Carlito returned. I think that this is kind of an underwhelming pay-per-view. They should have added another two matches at least maybe trim down some of the other matches and had something more going on for it. Other than you get to see John Cena and you get to see some of the other favorites, you know, Cody Rose is here. LA Knight's here. You guys like these guys, right? Well, we also like, you know, 50 other people that aren't on this, uh, brand and stuff. So as far as a 
quote unquote premium live event that you're only spending $10 for if you want Peacock and you're not spending 50 bucks on a pay-per-view like an AEW show, I guess you're getting your money's worth, but it's just a slightly extended edition of Monday Night Raw. And I guess when it comes to Monday Night Raw and the commercials and all, it doesn't feel that different. I feel like I watched an episode of Raw. That's not good. But maybe you liked it more than I did. Maybe you actually hated it more than I did. I don't know. That's your whole point of dropping your comments below and telling us what you think about these things and kind of rolling along with your thoughts to counter or support what my thoughts are. Robin Callum will chime in in some fashion, uh, you know, maybe on hot tags or something, whatever we record later on this week. I know that at least Rob wasn't super impressed with much of what was going on here. He had said ahead of time, uh, things you can say on the podcast that I would say, I'm absolutely not shocked at the tag team result. They, this put Cody and Jay right in the path of Roman Reigns. So that's pretty much the only thing that he had chimed in on to one thing happened on this show basically. And, um, yeah, it took four hours to do that. So meh is, I guess the highest I can give it. Daniel here is given it a seven out of 10, not memorable, but solid enough to make it worth my time. I guess that's probably the best way that you can look at it. Glass half full. If it's a fine enough four hours or three, if you skip the kickoff, uh, then thumbs up enough. Sure. Why not? Not going to go on my end of the year list, but as far as fast lane's concerned, that's all I have to say. As I said, you know, kind of didn't have too, too much to get into here. And if you are listening to this after the fact, leave those comments. As I mentioned before, stay tuned for other things that are coming your way this week from smart out moment. Uh, we're trying to do the pick a poison at some point this week, going to maybe come back around to some of the other ideas that we've talked about earlier in the year where, you know, maybe we'll do wrestlers in the wrong era, or we'll do something based off of superstar scores again, like, you know, superstar scores, Dolph Ziggler or something. Probably not that I would assume, or it might actually end up jumping ahead already to the mock draft and the fantasy booking for the evolution anniversary, the fifth anniversary. I think yeah, the five-year anniversary is coming up on the 28th of October. And we've got Halloween havoc and some other things going on around that time. Well, Halloween havoc's not a pay-per-view, so we're not going to do a dedicated thing to that, but in any fashion, crown jewel is coming up. And we've got a couple weeks to fill in between then. So when it comes to setting up some of those ideas, if you have anything in mind of what you would like us to do, let me know. Cause I always factor those ideas in and those suggestions are sometimes way better than what I can think of. So I, um, I know we're going to try to do that mock draft for the women's division. We're either going to spread that out over two weeks with the mock draft and then the fantasy booking, or we're going to do some kind of wrestling with the past wrestling is 2020 type thing or something along those lines. We'll maybe do the wrestlers in the wrong era discussion. And maybe if we think of something else too, I do have a couple ideas in mind that I didn't even talk to the other guys about. Like if we could try to figure out how to build the perfect archetype for certain characters, like, you know, the perfect um, rich jerk character. So who's got the promo skills? Is it Ted DiBiase? What's their in-ring skills like? Is it like, uh jbl or you know what i mean so on and so forth and we got some ideas i do think that we might end up doing some kind of a mailbag 
around the end of October or sometime in November, either a Thanksgiving mailbag or a Halloween type of thing or something, whatever it is, it'll be coming your way on this uh, channel and, you know, another round of the hot tags as well. I do know that, of course, I do have some plans for that Survivor Series DC versus Marvel thing. I've got pretty much all the graphics all sorted out now. I'm not going to show you any of them except for the one that's on screen right now because I don't want to spoil who my champions are and all, but you can guess some of them, I think. Although I, I do know that some people are already guessing the wrong champions because they know my affinity for certain characters and there are some prizes there. But that's coming your way eventually in November. We got plenty more weeks in the meantime. So make sure that you are following Smartout Moment. Make sure you are following fanboysanonymous.com. For everything that's happening over there, make sure you are checking out the link tree at amangotree.com and following and liking and sharing all those things over there. Uh, tracking the amount of awful 80s and 90s action movies that I've been watching this year. The most recent was Under Siege 2, which uh, was that was a that was a ride. And um, you know, maybe we'll talk about that in some fashion. Maybe I'll actually do something at the end of the year uh with my wife about something if we can figure something out to have fun and look back on some of those maybe we'll do the first episode of a couple movies i don't know anyway we are done with fast lane i want to thank you all for joining thank you for watching thank you for listening if you're listening elsewhere and all that and we will see you next time this has been another smart moment and i'm being counted out